ahead and go to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 1 this morning. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I want you to notice what he said about Israel here. He said that they are trying to establish their own righteousness. And the reason they're doing that is because they're ignorant of God's righteousness. Anyone who understands, has even the slightest understanding of the righteousness of God and the goodness of God would understand that we cannot be good enough to go to heaven. No one can earn their way into heaven. And while I think to us here today that's obvious, I think while we know that, we've got to understand most of the world thinks you do have to earn your way to heaven somehow. It is about being good enough to, in one way, shape, or another. But listen, there you can't establish your own righteousness. To think that you can, you have to know very little about the righteousness of God. Because when you see how righteous God is and how sinful we are, it should cause you to call on the name of the Lord for salvation and ask for mercy. And so, um, you know, Israel in that day, they, they're not the only people in history that tried to establish their own righteousness. People throughout history, they've tried to make their own way to heaven, and many still are today. Remember Cain. The Bible says, you know, Cain, who was of that wicked one, he thought he could bring us the sacrifice, the fruit of the ground, the work of his hands, and he thought that would be acceptable to God, but it wasn't. And many people have gone that way. Many religions have gone that way. We've got to do something good so we can get to heaven. That's how many people think. And there's many reasons why people try to make their own way of earning salvation. But there's one reason I want to focus on today. I believe one of the reasons that many people just can't seem to get saved is they are not willing to accept Christ's forgiveness. That's one thing where they they fail. They just struggle with accepting His forgiveness. And what are we talking about with that? Well, before we kind of get into some of the specifics on that, I want to show you a few things in the Bible about Forgiveness. Go to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, saith unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Now, what's so bad about saying thy sins be forgiven thee? Now, you see, the problem is when we read some of these passages, we forget where they were at during that time and what it was like, their mindset. See, we know all the New Testament Scriptures about forgiveness. We understand the command to forgive. We know all those verses about forgiving one another. We've heard plenty of messages about forgiveness. But understand that before this, when we when you look in the Old Testament, you don't see as much about forgiveness. You definitely see forgiveness there. You definitely see God's grace and His mercy in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is all about paying for sins. If you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And here comes a man in their eyes. A man comes along and tells someone, your sins are forgiven. Well, who is this man to say that his sins are forgiven? 
I mean, how would you all feel if I came along and I went to somebody who owed you money and I said to them, you know what? Your debt is forgiven. Well, who am I to say that their debt is forgiven unless I paid for that debt? Okay, but you know, you would be pretty upset by that. And these Pharisees, they saw Jesus saying that and they're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? In verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So I believe they're marveling not only at the power to make this man who's sick of the palsy to rise up and walk, but somebody who said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Jesus said, So you will know. Okay, every miracle that Jesus did, every physical miracle that he did in the Bible, he was trying to teach them something spiritual with that miracle that he did. Because with this and I've said this before, this man that was sick of the palsy, he eventually died of something else, didn't he? But Jesus performed a miracle in this man's life for the specific purpose of showing that he did have the power of God on him, to show that he did have the power to forgive sins. And let me tell you, that is a great power. We see in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, that when something happens, when a sin is committed, it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be paid for. We see the story of Cain and Abel. After Abel died, we see how God said, the blood of thy brother Abel it cries unto me from the ground. We see that you know innocent blood being shed is something that God notices. It's something that needs to be dealt with. And here, Jesus comes along to this man and He just says, your sins, they're forgiven. No payment needs to be made. He didn't tell him you need to go sacrifice a sheep or a goat. He didn't tell him you need to do any kind of penance or anything like that. He just said, your sins are forgiven. And to these Pharisees, they're thinking, this is blasphemy. Who is he to just throw out the law? Who is he to just tell somebody who has sinned that his sins are forgiven him and there's no payment that needs to be made? But Jesus did. Notice Jesus, he granted this forgiveness before he even died on the cross. Think about that. He did, this was before Jesus died on the cross. And He granted this man forgiveness. Before payment for sin had been officially made, Jesus granted forgiveness. Jesus granted forgiveness to the thief on the cross. Before Jesus said, it is finished. Think about that. Before payment was even made, Jesus forgave this man of their sins. How was He able to do that? Well, He was able to do that only for one reason. Because He was God in the flesh. He did have the power to do that. And Christ, He has not only given us the command to forgive people of their sins. We're told throughout the Bible we need to be forgiving other people. But not only that, many times we look at forgiveness as something that we're obligated to do, something that we have to do, and we we don't even really want to do it. But the truth is, not only did He give us the command, He gave us the power to forgive sins that's a big deal right there that we have that ability to forgive sins. Look at John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Then said Jesus to them again, this is after His resurrection, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. You know, to remit, to, to wipe them out, to get rid of them. You can forgive people of their sins. That's a big deal. That something I think we ought to be excited about. We ought to be thrilled that we have the ability to forgive people of their sins. That we can just let it go. Payment does not need to be made. We can forgive them. And you know, in the Bible, when Christ forgives, okay, when He forgives you of a sin, there's no further punishment that's required. And in fact, He wants us to even be happy after He forgives us of our sins. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 10. You know, sometimes we'll forgive people because we know we have to forgive. I'm going to forgive you because God's commanded me to forgive you. But you know what? Before I officially give you my forgiveness, let me tell you what you did. Let me tell you how you made me feel. Let me put you on a guilt trip that will last for weeks or months or hopefully for the rest of your life before I give you forgiveness. Is that what Christ does for us? No. When He forgives us, He wants us to be able to go on and be happy. He says in John chapter 10, verse 10, "...the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep." The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, that they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And Jesus is talking here about, you know, I'm going to the Gentiles too. First, he was just going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he eventually went to the Gentiles too, and we're included there, and now he has one fold, and we're a part of that fold. Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus is talking here about how He is coming so we can have life. So we can have it more abundantly. He is going to lay down His life for us. He is going to pay for our sins. He's taking our place. Why? So one, we can have eternal life, but we can have an abundant life. He wants us to not only have forgiveness of our sins. Okay, He not only wants us to not have to pay for the sins that we deserve to pay for. The sins that we deserve to suffer for. Not only does He not want us to suffer for those things, He wants us to be happy. He wants you, no matter what you've done in the past, He wants you to be able to go forward with your life and have the joy of the Lord in your life. He wants that for you. And when Jesus, when Jesus forgave the woman taken in adultery, what did He tell her? He said, he said, go and sin no more. He wanted her to move forward with her life. He wanted her to be happy. And, and John, go ahead and turn over there. I want to show you something. In John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning He came again to the temple and all the people came unto Him and He sat down and taught them. 
And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when he had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But he stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And that's always been speculated. What did he write in the ground? But you know, truth is, if the woman had committed adultery, it was, according to the law, she's supposed to be put to death. Okay, But at the same time, we see it says she was caught in the very act, but they only got her and not the man. Was it just one person that caught her? Because what does the Bible say? It says that for a person to die for their sins, it's got to be by the mouth of two or three witnesses. I don't know. Maybe he wrote that verse in the ground. I don't know what it was that he wrote, but then he made that famous saying of he that hath no sins, let him cast the first stone. And we see how everyone left. And then Jesus, in verse 10, when he lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, how could he do that? How could he just forgive a horrible sin like that. Because he was he was God. He had the power to forgive sins. A person who commits adultery does deserve to die. And I believe that they still deserve to die. Okay? And you might think, well, that, that's mean. But you know what? Thank God we can have forgiveness. Thank God Jesus told that woman, go and sin no more. He didn't say go and live miserably. You know, go and feel bad the rest of your life knowing that you should have died right then? No. He wants us to be able to go and be happy. That's what He does when He offers us forgiveness. He wants us to be able to put it behind us. And we've don't. We got to be careful. We don't want to be fooled into thinking God's forgiveness of sins means there will never be any earthly consequences. Okay, God can forgive you of your sins, but you know what? Uh, you go and kill somebody, I believe God will forgive you. But the authorities might not you still might get thrown into prison. You can commit adultery, and you know what? I believe God will forgive you, but your wife might not. Okay, So, I mean, just understand, there can be some consequences. Look at Romans chapter 13 and verse 1 through 6. Some people, they'll try to take advantage of the grace of God, which we're not supposed to do. But the Bible says in Romans 13, "...let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God." Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Okay? What's that talking about? That sounds like a saved person could receive damnation. Yes, physical damnation. This isn't talking about spiritual damnation, but you if if you go and you commit murder in a place where they still have the death penalty, they can put you to death. You've just received damnation on your flesh. You know, your spirit will still be saved, but we see though that there are earthly consequences as a result of sin. But understand that when it comes to God's forgiveness, when He forgives us of a sin, He wants us to put it behind us and He wants us to move forward. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to have an abundant life. And you know, if we were all honest in here today, we would all have to admit that we've gotten away with some things in our life. You know, some of us in here... We've done things that we've deserved to be ticketed for. And we didn't get ticketed, did we? I'm thankful for that. You know what? Anybody ever called the police and say, hey, 
I just got to confess, I, I was speeding today. There was, there was no policeman there that saw me, but, but I did it. I was driving 75 and a 70, and uh, I would just like it if you would write me a ticket. I, you know, none of us have ever done that, I don't think. I know I haven't. And you know, I, I don't really believe that God wants us to do that. I don't, I don't know that we have to do it that way. But you know, some of us in here, we've probably done things that we deserve to go to jail for. Right, don't raise your hand. You don't have to admit it. But there may be some here. You've done some things. If you would have gotten caught, you'd have gotten thrown in jail, and you'd have deserved. You'd have, you would have deserved it. And you know, I like what the Bible says. You know, let him that stole. What does it say? Go confess it. No, steal no more. The Bible says don't do it. But you know, it says, you know, labor. You know, do do that. And, you know, there's some in here. You may have even done things that you deserve to die for according to the law of God, according to the Bible. There may be some that you have. You've, you've broken some of those big commandments. Things that God put the death penalty on. You know, but you know, many, and many people who have done these things, they have the attitude, thank God, nothing happened. Thank, you know, thank God, I didn't get caught. Thank God, He gave me a second chance. You know, they, those people, they learn from their mistakes understanding there could have been serious consequences for these things. Some people have the attitude of I didn't get caught and they've just been emboldened to sin again. I mean, that may be some of you. But the group that I want to focus on today, so all this is kind of introduction where I'm really going with this message, are those who realize they did wrong, they didn't get what they deserved, but they act like they need to make themselves pay for their sins. It's like they're unable to forgive themselves. They can't move on with their life and be happy. They feel like they need to stay miserable as penance for past sin. And if you're not familiar with penance, if uh, some religions they teach penance, and basically what penance is, it's suffering, labor, or pain to which a person voluntarily subjects himself to, or which is imposed on him by authority as a punishment for his faults. So, for example, if we taught penance, you know, if you came to me like Pastor Tommy, you know, I I did wrong in this area, and you know, I just I need I need to make this right, and I was like, all right, okay, you know, you, you cheated on your taxes. Well, uh, the way you need to do penance on that, if you cheated them out of a hundred dollars, you need to give me five hundred dollars as penance, and then the Lord will forgive you. And I know that's kind of an exaggeration there, but you know what? That type of thing goes on in some religions. Some people, some people, they make up their own penance. Oh, you know, I skipped church today, so I'm going to make myself read extra Bible, like Bible reading is a punishment or something, you know. Or they'll try to do something. You know, they will they'll not do something they know they're supposed to do, and they'll think I will make up for it, you know, by doing this or by by doing that. Okay, that's penance. Penance is wrong. Penance is a terrible thing. Penance is a sin. You know why penance is so wrong? You can't pay for your sins. You can't do it. It's impossible. If you think you can pay for your sins, you have the same attitude that Israel had trying to establish their own righteousness. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, "...and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission." And we see also in Hebrews that the shedding of the blood of animals, it doesn't forgive sins. And you know what? Shedding your own blood 
will not forgive sins. There are some cultures where people will go and have themselves nailed to crosses as penance for their sins. People will inflict all kinds of pain on themselves. There are people who will whip themselves as penance for their sins. If you think that you can pay for your sins, you don't understand just how bad your sin really is. You can't pay for your sin unless you want to do it by spending an eternity in hell. That's the only other way you can pay for your sins. It takes all eternity in hell. And I don't know about you, but I prefer to not do that. You just whipping yourself, hurting yourself, that's not going to make make up for your sin. I mean, and then so and other people who've maybe they've done things in the past, they live what I call I would call a holier than thou lifestyle that they you know think is making up for their past. So I used to do this and this and this, but now I don't do this, I do this. You know, I'm trying to make up for all those things I did in the past. Okay, so part of your penance is going to church. Part of your penance is you know just acting like a Christian. Part of your penance is just doing the things that God wants us to do out of love for Him. That's, that's your attitude. Do you really think your holier-than-thou lifestyle is equal to what Christ did for you on the cross? I'm sorry, we can't live good enough to make up for our sins. There's nothing that a saved person can do for example, to make up for willfully sinning. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Because okay, that's what many people do. It's like they'll plan this penance ahead of time. Well, I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to make up for it this way. Okay, I'm sorry, folks. There is no such thing as penance, at least that works. It doesn't work. Hebrews 10, 26 says, For if we sin willfully... After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Okay? If you if you go and you sin on purpose, you can't there's no sacrifice that you can make that'll that'll clean that up, that'll fix that, that God's gonna look at that and say, Oh yeah, you did sin there, but you know what? Since you went and you know, you whipped yourself since you gave extra money in the offering, since you read your Bible for four hours as punishment to yourself, I'm going to let that go. No. What was the only thing that could pay for sins? It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he says here in verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and have done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. If you think that you can just go and do some sin and come up with some way to make up for it, you are sadly mistaken. There is no way that you can make up for your sin. There is nothing that you can do to pay for it. When you go and you on purpose, you do something that you know is wrong. You know what the Scripture says about it, but you just go and you do it anyway. There's no sacrifice left, folks. There is nothing that you can do to make up for it. You have made God angry and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And they say, you know, this isn't very uplifting. This isn't very exciting. Well, we're going to get to the uplifting and exciting part here pretty soon, but I'm just telling you the truth here. 
You know, we all love the Gospel. We all love the good news. But you realize the reason there is a Gospel, the reason there is good news, is because there was some bad news. There was some really bad news. But that, and that bad news is that we're sinners and that we deserve to go to hell and we are on our way to hell. And the good news is there's a way out. And it's like people today, they want to share the good news, but you can't give the bad news. Well, you've you got to give both sides. And folks, this is a side. This is a part of it. You cannot pay for your sins. There's nothing that a saved person can do to make up for willfully sinning. So, what do we do? Okay, I've, I sinned just this week. I did something on purpose. I thought coming to church today was going to make up for it. And now you're telling me I'm in trouble anyway. I read my Bibles for you know four hours last night to make up for what I had done. I watched a bad movie for three hours. And so I told the Lord, I'll, I'll read the Bible for six hours and that will make up for it. Now you're telling me I'm in big trouble. Now you're telling me there is nothing I can do that can make up for that sin. So what, I, what do I do? You know what you have to do? You have to just ask for forgiveness. That's it. You, you, you gotta ask for forgiveness. That's all we've got left, folks. We can't do anything to make up for our sins. And you know what people today, many people, they cannot bring themselves to do that. They cannot bring themselves to just ask for forgiveness and accept that forgiveness. It's like they think, no, I've got to, I've got to suffer. I've got, I've got to, you know, I've done some bad things. I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve to have a good marriage. I don't deserve any of these things. I don't deserve a good family. And yeah, you're absolutely right, but you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and accept that forgiveness? Why don't you just go ahead and take it? Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yeah, you don't deserve it, but just go ahead and take it. Christ has offered it to us, but many people are not willing to do that. You know, and that attitude of thinking, I've got to make up for my sin, you know what it does? It causes you to want other people to suffer the same way you are. People come through churches all the time who, you know, it's, it's usually the most, you know, the most strict conservative people in the church are sometimes the most miserable. The ones who follow the most commands of the Bible, the ones that we would all look at and say, wow, those are really good Christians, many times they're the most miserable people. Why is that? You know why? They're, because they're doing all those good things trying to make up for past sins in their life. I've known people like that that they had done some bad things before they had gotten saved and didn't feel like they deserved to be happy. They didn't feel like they deserved to have a good marriage and a good family. And they lived miserable lives as penance. I deserve to be miserable. Yes, you do. But you know what? Just accept God's forgiveness and go ahead and be happy. You don't deserve it, but just take it. He wants you to. Do you have enough faith to do that? Do you believe what God said when He said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly? Just go ahead and take it. We know that we don't deserve salvation, but we go and accept that free gift, don't we? Well, why can't we accept the happiness too that God wants to give? Why can't we just accept that forgiveness? But many of these people that have this attitude, they'll look at other people in the church and they're like, hey, you know what? They can't check off all these commands that I can check off. I'm not doing that. I am doing this. Look at these people in the church that are more liberal than I am and they seem to be happier than me. That's not fair. Why are they happier than me? Well, maybe those people just accepted God's forgiveness. Maybe they went ahead and just said, you know what? Yeah, I can't make up for my sins. I can't do anything good enough 
to earn heaven. But you know what? The Lord said that I can have salvation. He said I can be happy. He said I can have life and I can have it more abundant. And you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Have you ever had somebody offer you a gift before and you just didn't feel worthy of it? And you, you know, and you, you did. You kind of felt bad taking it. And you know, I, I, I get that. I've had people offer me money before, and it's like I, I can't take that. And I'm like, no, please take it. Okay, I'll you know, that's kind of how that's how it usually goes with me. But and you know what? I've learned to just do that with God too. You know, hey, you don't deserve happiness. You don't deserve salvation. Oh, I know. I I can't I can't accept I can't accept that. And the Holy Spirit, man, He just pushes us. Okay, I'll take it. I just learned to do it. I'll take the blessings. I'll take the goodness of God. I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not worthy of it. But if He wants to give it to me, I'll take it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that attitude. I mean, I think it's a whole lot better than you saying, no, I'm not willing to take it, and then going around with a superior attitude. You going around wanting to make everybody else in the church as miserable as you are because you're jealous. These people, they've accepted God's forgiveness. They've accepted God's blessing. And you haven't. I mean, wouldn't you all feel terrible if you know somebody came? Oh, I want to offer everybody in the church, you know, a jet ski. I've always wanted a jet ski and never had a jet ski, you know. And I I can't take that. And everybody else takes one. You find out everybody else is having fun all the time on one of those, and you're missing out. Well, at least I have my pride. Yeah, and you also don't have a jet ski, and you know, and you also they all are having fun, and you're not. And I know that's that's a goofy illustration, but you know what? We've just got to just go ahead and accept those gifts of God. People, they need the Israel. Paul said, "My prayer, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel that they might be saved." But they wanted to establish their own righteousness. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, you can't do it, people. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn happiness. You can't earn favor with God because of your good works. All we can do is just accept those free gifts and just take them and be happy and just thank God for them. Just thank God for them every day. It's like they, but the people they do, they feel like since they can't be happy, others who are maybe worse than them can't be happy either. Go to Psalms chapter 51. I want to show you David's attitude. You might think, oh, this is a bad attitude. You know, you're just trying to be greedy and taking all these things. Well, maybe I am, but you know what? There was a man named David who had the exact same attitude. David, Psalms 51, it was written, David wrote this after he had gotten busted for his sin with Bathsheba. And listen to what David said. David did a horrible thing. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He lied about it. He tried to cover up his sin. He did all these horrible things. David deserved to lose his kingdom. David deserved to lose his life. He deserved to lose his happiness. But listen to what David said. He said, "...have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Lord, I know You're rich in mercy." Lord, I know You've got the ability to give me this. And Lord, give it to me. Lord, give it to me. Notice, and he doesn't do anything. You know, Lord, I'll do this and this and this if You give it to me. David knew he couldn't make up for what he had done. But what did he do? He just asked for mercy. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. He's telling him here, you know, Lord, whatever you pronounce on me, I deserve it. I admit it. Hey, whenever you speak, Lord, you're justified in whatever you say. 
I'll take whatever you give me because I deserve it. He said, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part, that thou shalt make known or make me to know wisdom. But look, look what he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. After he did all these terrible things, he said, Lord, let me be joyful. Lord, let me hear joy and gladness again. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. Lord, could you ignore this? Lord, could you look away? Could you, could you blot it out? Could you cleanse it? Could you make it like it never happened? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Do you see what David's asking for here? He's asking for a lot. He's saying, Lord, I want the joy. Lord, I want the gladness. I want to be cleansed. I want to be pure of these things. Lord, I want you to look away. I want you to ignore it. This is asking a lot, folks. But you know what? God gave it to him. God is rich in mercy. God abundantly pardons. He wants to forgive. He offers this forgiveness to everyone. And you know what? I'm sure there were people that saw the forgiveness that David received and were probably upset by it. They were probably jealous over what happened. They didn't like seeing David get blessed because he didn't deserve it. But you know what? David said, I'll take the blessings and I'll enjoy them. And you know what? You might not like it seeing other people that you feel are worse than you are that seem to be happier than you are. People who aren't obeying as many commands as you are happier than you are. But maybe those people have just learned to, you know, just I'll take what the Lord will give me. And the Lord has offered us forgiveness. He's offered us salvation. He's offered us life and life more abundantly. And you know, the problem with people who just can't forgive themselves is many of them, they have a pride problem. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do this my own way. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. If you have a pride problem, you've got a devil problem. The devil had a pride problem. The pride is what brought the devil down and you just got to admit that you can't fix this. There's nothing that you can do. Their pride it tells them, I can fix my mistake. I can make up for this. I can, I can, I can fix it. But no, you can't. But you know their ultimate problem, I believe many times people who do this, is they're just not saved because they obviously don't believe what Jesus taught them about sin. Jesus taught without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The only blood that could be shed to pay for sins was the blood of Jesus Christ. You shedding your own blood is not going to make up for your sin. There's nothing you can do. Folks, if you've sinned, you deserve whatever comes your way. You've maybe deserved death. But you know what? Okay, you didn't get it. Our government, they don't put people to death for too many things anymore. Maybe you didn't get caught. And you know what? You don't have to go and inflict these things on yourself. You can just ask for forgiveness and the Lord has the power to forgive you of that sin. And like that woman taken in adultery, you know what? Jesus was there and He hadn't sinned. He could have cast a stone. He could have cast a stone. He could have stoned her to death and have been justified. But you know what? He's like, I've got the power to do something else. I've got the power to do what I'm wanting to do for the whole world. I'm going to forgive you of your sin. Go and sin no more. 
I believe He wanted her to go. I believe He wanted her to be happy. If He wanted her to suffer for her sin, He should have left out the go and sin no more thing. Just let her keep living in sin and she would have suffered. She would have been miserable. But that's not what He did. And we've got to make sure that we don't try to do that to ourselves or other people. Make them pay for sins. You can't pay for your sins. So what can you do? Just ask forgiveness. And the Lord offers it. I don't deserve it. I feel bad. But you know what? Just go ahead and take it. Just go ahead and take it. Just like when somebody's trying to help you out, sometimes pride says, no, I don't want to accept this help. You know, I'm not worthy of it. I don't. Hey, go ahead and take the help. Take the forgiveness. Take the happiness. Go forward with your life and have an abundant life. Jesus came. He came so you could have that. That was His goal. That was His purpose. You're going to take that away from Him? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to deny Him that? That is His pleasure to give us forgiveness. Why? Because it's the only thing that will work. It's the only thing that will get us into heaven. And so just go ahead, accept Christ's forgiveness, and go on with your life and be happy. Those things that you've done, like Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. Forget about them. God forgave you. He forgets them. Just forget about it. I don't care what you've done in the past. Move on. Go forward. Accept Christ's forgiveness. Be happy. And let all the Pharisees out there just be miserable. And you know what? Just the best thing you could do to them is just be happy. It will drive them absolutely crazy. And you'll make God happy. And so I hope you'll do that. So with that, let's all stand together.